Hey, this is Eric C. Rose. Thanks for listening to the Songs for Worship podcast. I'm joined again in this episode by my brother Keith, and we'll be discussing some music by some Chicago music artists, the Chicago Metro Presbytery Music, and another artist named Kim Bolreen. And I'll also play a solo recording of myself singing the familiar hymn, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty. As always, you can find links to these artists and their music in the show notes, or you can look at my website, ericcrose.com, and you can find the artists and more about the podcast and other episodes there. Please subscribe and share. That really helps me grow the podcast, and you can always reach me at eric.charles.rose at gmail.com. Also, if you notice any strange yelling noises or screaming noises going on in the background, just know that I am recording this from my home studio and I have small children on the premises. I'll also note that Keith had a particularly noisy chair in this conversation, so if you hear some strange squeaking sounds throughout, you know what it is. Without further ado, here's our conversation. So in this episode, episode number 15, we're going to focus on Psalm 91 and more specifically some hymns and songs that are written based on and drawing from Psalm 91. So just to start off, I'd like to read just the first verse or the first couple of verses of of Psalm 91 to just refresh our memory. Maybe this is a a very familiar and well-loved psalm, but uh, let me just read Read the first couple of verses just to refresh our memory. Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my strength, my God, in whom I trust. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. I, I was looking, doing some, some reading on some different commentaries, and I found Charles Spurgeon's Treasury of David. I just wanted to get kind of a, maybe a um, summary of the chapter. So, so this is what Charles Spurgeon wrote about Psalm 91. He wrote, those who through rich grace obtain unusual and continuous communion with God, so as to abide in Christ and Christ in them, become possessors of rare and special benefits which are missed by those who follow afar off and grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Into the secret place those only come who know the love of God in Christ Jesus, and those only dwell there to whom to live is Christ. Mm. So there's some, some good words by Spurgeon. So let's just go back and and review. Um, I gave five, five different um, things that I'm looking for. And so before we get into the music for today, I wanted to go over those those five things that I'm looking for in music again, because like you were saying, Keith, before we started, these are these are important to kind of keep keep in mind and even to kind of guide guide our conversation. So the first one was that the songs need to be singable. And again, this is these are all guides for choosing worship music. Um, they may not necessarily be just guides for listening, but uh, worship music, it is important that it's singable. And secondly, it's important that it's memorable. 
being memorable, I think, aids in, well, being able to sing it again and again, but also in being able to meditate on the songs throughout the week and getting those into our into our heads and our, our hearts. Lyrically well-written, whether that's rhyme or or the different structure of it it should be should be well done theologically accurate and also something can be theologically accurate but not necessarily theologically profound or theologically useful so so i do try to find things that are have some some depth to them and then finally the fifth point was that the song or hymn should say something in a fresh or creative way did you have anything you wanted to add on to those? Just with, uh, I, I think it might be helpful to clarify what you mean by singable, because mm-hmm. obviously we're listening to these songs so somebody can sing them. But what I'm pretty sure you mean by that is singable by people who aren't singers. So sure. an easy to sing melody that, that somebody who's not a gifted singer can pick up on pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. going to change depending on the context. But I think that's a helpful guideline to keep in mind. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's just jump into, into our first hymn, and then we can, we can talk about it a little bit. The first hymn that I wanted to play for you is a recording that I did of Praise to the Lord the Almighty. There are um, several good covers of this. One of them that just off the top of my head that I like is the Fernando Ortega version. I like a lot of his hymns and his arrangements. But let's play, play this. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. O my soul, praise Him, for He is thy health and salvation. All you who hear, now to His temple draw near, join me in glad adoration. Praise to the Lord, who o'er all things so wondrously reigneth, shelters thee under his wings, yea, so gently sustaineth. Hast thou not seen how thy desires all have been granted in what he ordained? Praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty will do if with his love he befriends thee. to the Lord who with marvelous wisdom has made thee, decked thee with health and with loving hand guided and stayed thee. How often grief hath he not brought thee relief, spreading his wings to o'ershade thee. All right. So praise to the Lord, the Almighty. Keith, do you have any thoughts about that hymn? Yeah, well, first of all, great, uh, 
great recording. I, I like your uh, your rendition of that and giving it a little bit more of a folksy, upbeat mm-hmm. feel. Yeah, this is one of my all-time favorite hymns. I feel like there are some hymns that only work in certain settings um, with certain congregations, certain contexts, whether it's textual or, or, or from a musical standpoint, like you can't use them in every situation. But this is like the hymn for all seasons. Um, and in my mind, it's this is one of the top tier hymns of the faith that you can you can sing pretty much anywhere um, with any group of people and it'll it'll work especially to open up a service um, to a wonderful hymn of praise. I feel like it's not quite as well uh, or overused maybe as, as some of the most popular hymns so to where it feels almost like a cliche with some, some of the really popular favorites, amazing grace or how great thou art come to mind. Wonderful hymns, but you know, very much used. Yeah, I was thinking about singability again, just because you had you had brought that up. And one of the one of the things that makes it singable, and we've talked about the form in music before in the podcast, it's the organization of the the melody. So you have you have a good deal of, of repetition. It's not terribly complex. Yeah, and it's the the range isn't too demanding either. Um, and even though there are you know, some high notes in it. If you pick the right key, it's, yeah, it's very uh, manageable. The other thing, and I, I really appreciated how you did this. One potential danger, danger is a strong word, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> unfortunate mishap with this hymn is it can be played like a dirge, or if you put equal emphasis on praise to the Lord, it, it becomes very monotonous and it has a dance lilt to it. And I read one comment from some hymnologist. He he called it a galloping dactylic rhythm. <laughs> and the, the dactylic rhythm is just the da 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 but really bringing that out in you know it's a it's a waltz rhythm. It really makes it lively and emphasizes this is a joyful hymn of praise. It's not a funeral march. And I think the tempo too, I had a a uh, professor in a worship class, he talked about the way you choose the tempo for your hymns is you read the text aloud and what sounds natural, what gives you natural breathing, natural spacing for the words. That's that's what you go with. And he said a lot of times it's actually going to be a little faster than than you might think. But I, I appreciate that in the way that you played it too. You you didn't rush, but you, you had there's a crispness and a movement um, with the tempo. Because the song has the tune has sort of a dramatic feel to it, and you kind of hear the trumpet blast mm-hmm. and everything, I, it's tempting, I think, for some more orchestrally minded uh, worship leaders to really just lay into it and, and turn it into this somber anthem. But I think it's better for the congregation to just just have fun with it and bring out that joyful, almost mm-hmm. waltz feel to it. And I think with with a lot of these hymns that have been around for a long time, they've been used in so many different contexts. Some contexts may lend themselves, and when I say context, I'm talking about the space in which you're singing. They may lend themselves to a bit slower tempo, for example. Or, you know, if you're really in an intimate setting, you may want to sing it even faster or something like that. I think I think it can vary based on the place that you're singing in and the people that you have singing. Uh, I wanted to 
just note this is this is written by Joachim uh, Neander, and he was uh, he lived from 1650 to 1680. So he didn't live very long. But I was reading about his uh, his conversion to faith, and actually, I think he lived kind of a rowdy life, and he he intended to go into this church to kind of make fun of the minister, but when he went in, he listened and he heard, and and he came to faith through that experience. And after that, he actually became a minister himself for for a few years. That's amazing. What a great story. All right, let's go on to You Are My Refuge. This is, again, from Psalm 91. Uh, This is done by, uh, by Chicago Metro Presbytery Music. The artists you'll hear are Paul Vanderbile and Claire and Steve Hendershot. Uh, this is one that we've sung in my church, and I I really appreciate the um, you mentioned speaking the text and finding the rhythm or the tempo, and I I like the way uh, that this kind of joins the the tempo or joins the rhythm of the text, the natural kind of cadence of the text with the music. Let's go ahead and and listen to this, and then we can talk about it some more. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will abide, will abide, will abide in the shadow of His For His angels will guard you, and His strength will enfold you. With their hands they will lift you up. With their what are your responses to this one? Of course, it's great to hear hear Paul singing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I enjoy this a lot. You know, as you commented with praise to the Lord the Almighty, even though this is a very different style, there's there's similarity in terms of the repetition of melodic themes, and um, there's a lot of movement in the melody, but it's 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 repeated movement, and it's it's fairly simple to to make it easy. Uh, for a congregation to sing, and so I I really appreciate that about about this and about the other music that they do as well. It's very much geared towards congregational singing. Yeah, one of the the tools I guess that he uses to make it maybe more singable. It's kind of a simple thing to do, but just that repetition. It I think it serves more than just making it more singable. It it also reaffirms this idea, will abide, will abide, will abide in the shadow of your might. And that reinforces that idea of abiding in the shelter, but it but it also brings it together musically as well. I think we talked about this uh, last time going talking about Psalm 51, but in all of these psalm settings, they're making artistic choices and decisions. Okay, what are even in a sense theological choices? What do I want mm-hmm. to emphasize? and bring out of the text. And in here, it is a little more selective of, of Psalm 91. Like there's only a couple of verses that are highlighted, but like you said, I, I appreciate how he, he repeats those, you know, using the melodic themes to emphasize the idea of abiding. One of the interesting things with the text is I was, I was reading a commentary on the Psalm and it, the commentator noted that it's, it's kind of confusing from a translation standpoint there's a switching back and forth between first person and third person. And so it even creates a little bit of of translation difficulty and interpretive difficulty. But I love the way this setting just 
actually puts those different voices in literal different voices and has sort of this back and forth and and it fits naturally with with the text that you have these different voices speaking uh, the truth of the salvation of the lord it's really powerful this whole chapter is one that has been kind of special for my family because i have little kids and and it's been special to me personally as well but it's also been one that that we memorized together i don't know how much of it they remember because they're little but it's become the kind of thing where i i just speak it to them if they're afraid or if they're having a hard time going to sleep or whatever this is a special chapter to us in that way it, yeah it is i i i don't remember the um the composer arranger but i when I was in a in a men's choir uh, at Moody Bible Institute, we sang a version of this. It was really beautiful, and and it really drilled the words into my mind. And so they 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 do. It just comes to mind when you're facing fear, facing uncertainty. And I think this setting does that well too. One thing you know, I mentioned that we've used this arrangement in our church quite a few times, and we really we really love playing and singing it. There's a, a bridge portion that I didn't play that goes, uh, You are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then it repeats with some harmony. It sounds really cool in the recording. But typically when we sing that in with our congregation, I don't include that because, because it doesn't, it just doesn't really seem to work well with the congregation. But, um, but overall, yeah, we really love, love this uh, arrangement. Let's move on to the final track that we had for today. This is an artist named Kim Borin. Um, this is called Anchor, and it's not directly uh, related to Psalm 91, but I thought the themes were, were fitting with it, so I, I thought we'd just include it. So let's, uh, let's have a listen, and then we can talk about it after. So I, I enjoyed this a lot. Um, as you know, I, I spent some time living in Korea a few years back and got very involved with the church there and familiar with a lot of Korean worship music. And I think this song is is very much written in that vein. There's a lot of these just very pretty ballad um, type choruses that they sing. And um, so I, I enjoyed that a lot. One of the notes that they included on, let's see, on the Bandcamp page, it may be available elsewhere too, but it says, it is a modern hymn that blends the East Asian riff into jazz harmony, pioneered by Kim Boreen. Yeah, she's very much writing in that idiom. Um, and you do hear some more, a little bit more sophisticated harmony, in, even though it's a simple tune and, and the main harmonic ideas are, are fairly simple. There's some of the transitions and things using using jazz chords. What I thought was interesting too, I read that description. It says something about carrying a soul rooted in Korean Han. Hmm. And what does that mean? So Han, and I, 
certainly not an expert on this, but it is something that I heard folks talk about there and I read a little bit about. It's it's an emotion or it's a feeling. It's a almost like an aesthetic. It's very much a part of the national identity. It's a the sense of heaviness and sorrow and almost like a, a kind of beauty or pathos in sorrow, specifically with relation to a lot of the the hardships that the Korean people have faced with uh, with occupation, with uh, war, and then civil war in North and South Korea being ripped apart. And this it's this sense of deep kind of national sadness. And I think more specifically, so there's a kind of traditional Korean folk singing. It's called pansori, or pansori. And I hear just little hints of it in her singing. And if you if you if you listen to some of these Korean folk songs and the way that they're sung, there's there's just this ache and this um, this pain, this pathos in the voice that they communicate really powerfully. And I I hear her doing that a little bit um, in the way that she sings it, which which I really enjoy that. Yeah, but there was something yeah that that really caught me in this one just the first time I listened to it. I I think because of that I would almost I would hesitate to use it in my own congregation because I think mm-hmm. a lot of the power in it in this recording is the way that she sings it which I certainly couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know that I'd be able to recapture that in my context. Yeah, it is it is tuneful though. It's a not a really complex melody, but but yeah, I think you I think you're right and maybe it would be be challenging, but but in the right context, I think it could be really really useful. It certainly fits your criteria of um singability. It is singable. Uh, I guess I just mean some of what makes it unique and special. I'm not sure that 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 part that would translate if I was leading it, for example. There is also a Korean version on uh, that she released at the same time. I'm not sure. I think you may have to purchase that separately. It's a separate track on the uh, on the Bandcamp page, at least. But yeah, so there's a, a Korean version as well, which is cool. And you can find, I forgot to mention for, for the last artist, that you can find both of these on Bandcamp. You can find Anchor by Kim Borin, just K-I-M-B-O-R-I-N on Bandcamp. Um, and then also she has a website called spiritualtuneup.org. Do you have any any closing thoughts on on Psalm 91 or any of these any of these pieces? I like the the range of, of songs that you selected here. They're they're all very different and they touch on different different themes of this passage. And I I don't think I've thought of choosing music that way before in terms of worship planning, thinking about a specific passage and then thinking, okay, how do different, either different settings that are explicitly based on that passage or, or even like you have here, some, uh, some songs, hymns that aren't necessarily directly from that text, but overlap with the main themes. Uh, I think that's a, that's a neat way to think about planning a service, organizing the music thematically.